0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the IPSS podcast. I'm Tina Dore. I'm a PhD chemist and a patent attorney. I'm Michelle Ciotola. I'm a trademark and copyright attorney. And today we're going to talk about copyrights. And we'll start with some background information to set the stage. And this is a fun episode because we're going to talk about uh, a copyright issue in the news. And it's been a recurring issue. So I hope we hope we can shed some light on some of the copyright issues that you might see. So let's start with Michelle, what exactly is a copyright? Great question. Um, so a copyright is
1: the expression of an idea. Um, it is not the idea itself. It's, it's how one, an author, um, Really expresses it. So um, I always go to the example of you know you might have an idea to um, to write a book about uh, wizards in a school, um, but there's no you don't have any copyright in that idea. It's how you put pen to paper, how you how you describe the characters, the setting. Um, you know, the background, everything that—that that is what the, the copyright is. Um, and a copyright in the United States, it's it's actually protected by the U.S. Constitution. And for the, the uh, Constitution scholars out there, it's Article 1, Section 8, Clause 8, which says that the Congress shall have the power to promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing a limited time to authors and inventors the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries. And the idea here is that really with a copyright, it's, it, copyright protection is designed to encourage the creation of, of, of new works um, and in doing so, for the public benefit and in doing so, the constitution essentially provides an economic incentive to the authors. And that comes in the form of a, what we call a bundle of rights so uh, when you have a copyright in a work, it entitles you as the author of the work to, um, you know, to make copies of the work, um, to distribute copies of that work, to perform the work publicly, to display the work publicly, uh, and to make derivative works. And, and just, you know, for our listeners, a derivative work, it's a kind of a term of art um, or a legal term when we're talking about copyright, and that is um, the right to make changes to the work. Um, common examples would be, um, you know, a translation of of a book into a different language, um, you know, taking a book and adapting it to a movie. So those are all derivative works. Um, and copyright arises in, uh, we're kind of getting in, into like, you know, the scholarly stuff here, right? Like this is what I teach copyright law and this is, you know, the, the you know, basics, right? So copyright arises and there's a few, a few things that you have to have. It has to be an original work of authorship. So originality, and the key here is that the, that threshold for originality t- is very low. So you don't have a need to have a whole lot of originality to get to copyright protection. Uh, Of course, the more original the work that you're creating is the greater the scope of protection that you have. And then you have to have it fixed in any tangible medium of expression. And that goes really to that. Like, I can't have this idea in my head. I have to actually physically write it out. So I have to have it. I have to have it written out um, in a a tangible medium of expression. And then there's, of course, like that now known or later developed. So it's contemplating new technologies. um, And then again, going into the actual languages from which they can be perceived, reproduced, or otherwise communicated either directly or the Ada machine. So um, when we're talking about copyright, just some Common examples um, that you always think about are, are literary works, you know, books, um, musical works, including the accompanying words, dramatic, dramatic works um, and accompanying music. So we're going to a play, um, you know, that's that as well as the music is going to be um, covered by copyright, uh, choreographic works, um, pictorial, graphic, and sculptural works, uh, motion pictures and other audiovisual works, you know, sound recordings and architectural works. Um, And, and I also wanted to point out for our listeners, because this is kind of what happens more, you know, it it comes up a lot is you think of copyright and you think of like really the arts, but there's so many practical aspects of copyright that as a business owner, you should be thinking about. And one thing that we, we do a lot of uh, is we, we work with our clients to, to protect computer programs and source code. So there are some very practical aspects to your business when it comes
0: to copyright. Thanks, Michelle. I I know that was a mouthful, um, but it's really helpful. And one of the things that you said in the beginning that uh, it's really wrong about me because there's a a difference between there's a key difference between copyright and patents, Mm -hmm. which are two different types of intellectual property. So you said copyright is the expression of the idea. Mm -hmm. And so it has to be expressed in some sort of medium. However, uh, patents are the, the opposite. So patents are the idea itself. It doesn't necessarily need mm-hmm. to be, you know, um, made or performed in any way. So that's, that's a big difference between. Yeah. And that's, that's like what you said, You can have overlapping types of protection, for example, for computer programs, which is of course true.
1: Yeah, and that's a really great way of, of thinking about it, Tina, because I know a lot, of, a lot of people always confuse what is a patent, what is a copyright, mm-hmm. what is a trademark, and thinking about, well, you know, copyright really is that expression, patent is the idea. Right. So you can protect both.
0: You can over- yeah. protect the expression of the commuter program as well
1: as yeah. the, the program. As well. And doing both can really provide a great kind of arsenal of tools um, to, to, your, to protect your rights.
0: Exactly. Uh, okay, so thanks for that background. Now that we know what a copyright is, who can own a copyright?
1: So that seems like it should be a really easy answer. Um, and generally, the owner of a copyright is the author of the work. So it's the person that created it. Um, you know, so it's, it's the artist, it's a computer programmer, it's, you know, the author um, of the book. Um, you know, but we also have certain circumstances, um, certain cases where it's not necessarily the individual that owns a work. Um, the key here is, um, or the, the most common here is a work for hire. So that's, that's a work that's been created by an employee in the course of his or her employment, or there are certain limited types of work where the parties can agree in writing that the creation is going to be owned by the company. Um, and so, and, and this seems, again, this seems fairly straightforward, but there can be a, a pretty in-depth analysis to determine whether something is, you know, either is created within the the course of an employment. Um, But again, if it's if it is considered a work for hire, then it's going to be owned by the employer, not the creator of the work. Um, And the employer can be can be a company, not necessarily an individual. And I think that kind of differs a little bit um, you know when you're talking about on the patent side, right, Tina? So the inventor is always going to be
0: the inventor and you would have to assign the rights. Um, that is true. That's true. However, although the inventor will be the inventor, mm-hmm. if they conceive of the idea and they're working for an employer, mm-hmm. they still have an obligation to assign. Right. So, um, yeah, no, you're right. It, it is a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Different. Yeah. And you certainly can also assign the rights if you are the author to, um, another individual or another entity. Um, but okay. so so you know, going back to who who owns a, owns a copyright again, it's 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 going to be the creator of the work. The creator of the work could be considered the employer, um, but there's some really really interesting things that have kind of come up, and I love I love this example when we talk about who owns a copyright. Um, several years ago, there was um, there was this photographer that was out in uh, you know the jungles someplace uh, and had his you know his his uh dslr camera all set and ready um to take photos of wildlife and kind of like you know puts it down and and, you know kind of reading into what exactly happened but puts it down um and a monkey comes up picks up it picks up the camera a monkey monkey. um, and we'll have to put a link in the comments so everyone can see this this particular photo and takes a selfie and the photographer, and it's a really great, hilarious photo. Like, it's literally this this close-up of a, he's taking a selfie. I mean, you know, maybe not his best side, but there's a, he's taking a selfie. Um, and the photographer, you know, it's his camera. He's compiling, he's put, I think he put it in a book with the other photographs. Uh, he actually got sued by PETA um, claiming copyright infringement because it was not him that hit the button. Um, it was the monkey that hit the button. And so the monkey was... The owner of the copyright. Okay, so the issue here is that it has to be a human. It has to be a person. Um, again, we, you know, we treat entities as as people for purposes of, of copyright. But a monkey cannot own a copyright. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the author was free to use the photo in. Or I'm sorry, the photographer was free to use a photo in his book. Um, you know. Another example, and this is kind of like really on the cutting edge. We're, as a copyright practitioner, anxiously waiting to see what happens. Uh, recently, um, there was an application for, um, and I hear an interruption coming, listeners. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> there was an uh, individual, uh, Stephen Thaler, who, who had this creativity machine. And he used algorithms to generate work. So it was like this, this, um, this painting essentially, that was generated by um, a creativity machine. It wasn't made by the, an individual, uh, it was, an, a, you know, AI, artificial intelligence, and he filed an application with the U.S. Copyright Office, um, and he claimed that it was, you know, work for hire, that it was generated by, an, by AI, um, and not surprisingly, the U.S. Copyright Office denied his copyright claim. Now. You know, again, we go AI is is you know, it's not a individual, it's not a person. Um, so so the outcome here wasn't so surprising. Um, what I'm watching for is there's now a lawsuit filed against the U.S. Copyright Office claiming that 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 is um, inaccurate that he should be able to claim rights to the work generated by AI. So we'll see what we'll see what happens with that.
0: Yeah. With the increase in AI, AI technology, I, what do you think is gonna happen, do you have? A-
1: oh, that's a really great question. I mean, it's gonna take a lot, I think, to, to make any kind of changes, because these are constitutional changes. Right. This, is, this is codified in the constitution, and it's gonna, it's gonna take, you know, it's gonna be an interesting, um,
0: it, it'll be very
1: interesting to see how, how this comes out. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, speaking of copyright issues in the news, I saw a recent article mm-hmm. about Emily Rodajowski and she's the famous model from the uh, Blurred Lines music video. Mm-hmm. Robin uh, and she uh, recently settled a copyright lawsuit that was filed against her by a paparazzi after mm-hmm. she posted a photo of herself on her Instagram story. Have you seen this in the news? Yeah, I did. Um, and so... To give the, uh, the listeners a little bit of background, so it's Emily, and I wonder if we can share this when we post on social media, but it's, it's Emily uh, holding a large bouquet of flowers over her face while she's leaving a forest in New York. And so her face is entirely covered. She's essentially unrecognizable, uh, but her legs are visible under this oversized blazer. And so she posted it on her story. So it wasn't, you know, a post that's going to be on her page forever. It was, you know, it's something that disappears after 24 hours. And it was a photo of her. The paparazzi, you know, didn't have a copyright registration for it. Uh, Oh, and then one more piece of information. She added a caption to it. It said something along the lines of, hello. Um, This is my mood or something along those lines. It wasn't that. And so my question is, uh, why can't she use a photo of herself if the paparazzi didn't have a registered copyright? Mm-hmm. And she's also, too, barely recognizable.
1: Okay, That's a fantastic question, Tina. Um, and so, so the answer is here, you know, We'll kind of address two different things. And I'm going to talk about the registration first, um, because I think that's the easiest one to, to sort of address here. Um, and and, that's, and you bring up a great point with he didn't have a registration for, um, you know, copyright registration. And, and when we talk about copyright, um, you, you do have copyright in the, when you create the work right? When, when you fix that work in a tangible medium of expression, you are not required under the law to obtain a copyright registration. Um, now, filing that registration is always strongly recommended for kind of what you're, what you're alluding to, Tina, which is that if he doesn't have that copyright registration, he can't actually sue for copyright infringement. He can't get into the courthouse without that registration. Um, just, you know, kind of as, as a little bit of background, um, this was a recent Supreme Court case which kind of split, um, or which kind of resolved a split in the circuits where some some courts were saying that you just had to have an application with the U.S. Copyright Office to sue for copyright infringement and others were saying, well, no, you have to have the registration certificate in order to sue for copyright infringement. And so um, you get the strongest rights um, in copyright through registering because you now have a public and searchable uh, record of your copyright claims. And it's considered prima facie evidence of your ownership of of that copyright and the facts that are in the certificate. Um, and, and like I said, and it also gives you, um, the ability to collect enhanced damages depending on the timing of the filing. Now to answer the second question, which is why can't she use it if she's the subject of the photo or even if her face is covered. And the answer there is because she's not the author, you know, it may be, uh, you know, a photograph of her, but regardless, she did not take that, that photograph. So. It goes back to, to that, to the bundle of rights that we talked about earlier and the right to make copies of the work, the right to, to pub to display your work publicly. Those are rights that are owned by the author, by the photographer. And so by posting it on her Instagram page or, um, you know, in her story, even if it was just for a brief amount of time, she is still, um, you're still infringing the rights of the author. Got it. And then, And it is a commonly, you know, we see this actually quite often, you know, um, which is not by far not the first one, not the first, uh, you know, influencer, actor, model that's kind of, you know, run into trouble with this.
0: Well, thanks, Michelle. That was a great first discussion about copyrights on this podcast. I know it's a complicated topic and I don't want to get too much into the
1: (laughs) Yeah, we could talk about this for hours. And if anyone has, if there's any any specific topics on on copyright or really anything else that you'd like us to discuss, please, please leave us a message or put something in the comments. We do want to give a quick shout out to the team that makes this podcast possible. Um, Thanks to George Pelletier for amazing music, uh, to Dan Cody for just everything and putting this all together. Uh, And of course, uh, Jessica Lister, who is, I mean, just our marketer everything
0: all right until the next episode bye everyone bye